Welcome to the Christ Community Church Podcast. This teaching was recorded live during our weekend service in St. Charles, Illinois. We invite you to join us in person any weekend in St. Charles, DeKalb, Aurora, or Streamwood. Learn more at ccclife.org. And now, enjoy the message. How many of you have seen a superhero movie in the last week or week and a half? Let me see your hands across all of our campuses, everybody playing. Yeah. If you have, you, like me, are one of the people that have contributed to the almost $2 billion that the Avengers movie has made so far. Um, And as much as, you know, I love a good Avengers movie, I can't help notice every time I watch one that they're leaving out one of the great superheroes of all time, somebody with incredible strength, somebody who flies, somebody with heat vision, You know, he's got his amazing costume, his cape, his blue-red, his giant letter on his chest. And, of course, I am referring to Underdog. Yes. Come on, people. Underdog. One of the greats. So when I was a kid, I used to watch Underdog, and he would swoop in, and he would rescue his darling Polly Purebred. And when he would show up on the scene, he would always say, there is no need to fear. Oh, man, you did not know you were going to be saying that when you came to church. (laughs) Underdog is here. Why in the world are we talking about underdog? Well, of course, because today is the second week in our series, The More I Thank, The Better I Feel. And when I was reading our text for today... I could not help think about underdog. Today we are talking about gratitude in anxiety. How in a world that is riddled with reason after reason for us to be anxious, we can still experience gratitude and experience the peace of God. So I've just got really two main things that I want you to walk away with and remember today. And if you can remember those two main things um, and live them out, then you will go a long way to experiencing gratitude in anxiety. So we're going to be in Philippians chapter 4, if you want to look there with me. Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 5, and I'm going to read verse 9, through verse 9, says, Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation... By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. So, there's a lot in in those verses, and we're going to look at them. But the main idea is how do we experience gratitude? How do we experience peace that God has for us in the midst of anxiety? Uh, Webster's online dictionary defines anxiety as an abnormal and overwhelming sense of apprehension and fear, often marked by physical signs, such as tension, sweating, increased pulse rate, by doubt concerning the reality and nature of the threat, 
and by self-doubt about one's capacity to cope with it. So an overwhelming sense of apprehension and of fear that is marked by doubt, by doubt about the reality of what's going on, by our own personal doubt about how we can cope with it, that's what we're talking about when we're dealing with anxiety. And God's word says, don't be anxious about anything. So when I combine what I learn in scripture and I combine what I learn from underdog, here's one of the two things that I want you to remember today. This is kind of the, uh, the why behind the how. If you've looked in your outline or on the app already, you'll see that I have one point for my message today. And that's the how to experience gratitude in anxiety. The why, the what makes it all possible is this one statement, okay? There is no need to fear because the Lord, the God of peace, is near. Now, if you've got a paper outline, here's what I would encourage you to do with that, is take that sentence, there is no need to fear, the Lord, the God of peace is near, and write that kind of all around your outline. Because I want that idea to surround all of our talk today. Because I wonder how much different our lives and our situations and our thinking and our experiences would be if we truly embraced the idea, the truth, that the Lord, the God of peace, is near to you. So think about whatever situations are going on in your life right now that are causing you any level of anxiety. And think about how they compare to the almighty God, the creator of the world, the God who knows the future, the God who cares deeply and intimately and personally about your life and your situations. And think about what it means that God is near to you. The God of peace. Picture what it would be like for Jesus to be walking with you with his arm around your shoulder. Picture what it's like to sit in silence with him side by side with you. Just knowing that he is near to you. Imagine yourself when you're in a moment where you can't help but break down and weep in tears, that you are doing that, leaning into his chest with his arms wrapped around you, experiencing his nearness to you. Experience what it's like to sit down with him and verbally process and perhaps even vent about what's going on. There is no need to fear. Because truly, genuinely, the Lord, the God of peace, is near. And when we understand that, when we live in that, that is a game changer for all of the situations that come our way that are prone to bring us anxiety. Sometimes when I look at scripture, even something that is very clear and very direct does not seem simple at all. And so when I read Phrases like, don't be anxious about anything. There's a moment of pause where I kind of scratch my head and I think, I don't, I don't fully understand how God can always just kind of make these statements. 
Like, doesn't he see what's going on? Isn't he aware of the world that we live in? All of us are very aware of the levels of anxiety and depression that are prevalent in our world today. Uh, My role around here is I get to work with our children's ministry teams and kids world and our student ministry teams at all of our campuses. And so um, when I think about what's going on today in the world as it relates to anxiety and depression, my mind naturally goes toward our youth. And so I looked up a couple things just to share with you guys today. Uh, There's a psychologist out of Boston College named Peter Gray, and he said this, Rates of depression and anxiety among young people in America have been increasing steadily for the past 50 to 70 years. Today, five to eight times as many high school and college students meet the criteria for diagnosis of major depression and or an anxiety disorder as was true half a century or more ago. We would like to think of history as progress, but if progress is measured in the mental health and happiness of young people, then we've been going backward for at least since the early 1950s. I read something from the Department of Health and Human Services that in 2015, three million teens ages 12 to 17 had at least one major depressive episode in the last year. More than two million report experiencing depression that impairs their daily function. So that means if you are here today and you are a teenager, you or definitely someone you know, one of your peers is experiencing depression or anxiety. And the stats are just as high for adults, right? So when we look at the world and when we look at our culture and what's going on, how is it possible that God can say, don't be anxious about anything. It's because he is near to us. It's because he walks with us in and through those situations. It's because he loves us and he cares about us. He's not just some tyrant that stands back and says, I'm going to give you this command. Go ahead, do your best to try and live it out. I dare you. That's not how God works. God is a God of peace, and God offers that peace to us in a loving, caring way. And so he says, not only do I command you to not be anxious, but I'm going to do everything I need to do to make it possible for you to live that out. Let's look again at Philippians chapter 4. We're going to focus on verses 6 and 7. Paul writes, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, remember, Paul is writing this from prison. Right? And Paul, if we look at his life in Scripture, we know that he faced a lot of struggles, a lot of hard times. He went through a lot of situations that anybody could look at and say, yeah, there's a situation that could easily lead to some anxiety. So he knows what he's talking about. But he says, don't be anxious about anything in every situation. That's pretty all-encompassing, right? 
every single possible situation you can come up with, Paul says, don't be anxious about it. So we can list those, right? We can come up with a whole list of examples. And I came up with a list of examples and every single thing that I listed, currently right now, there's somebody that I know that I care about that is going through this. So these aren't just random, you know, oh, Man, nobody could ever go through that kind of thing, right? These are real-life examples, and the same way I made my list, you could probably make a list too. Financial problems, right? People that are out of work and looking for work or people that have jobs, but they still have had things come their way, and there's significant financial concern going on. Health scares, health situations. <clears throat> people that are dealing with um, perhaps chronic illnesses, people that are dealing with what could be a fatal illness, people who have come through very recent scares of things that could have been fatal, right? Health scares. People that are graduating high school and going off to college next year, and they don't know what that world's gonna be like. Maybe they know where they're going and it's still a significant change. Maybe they have no idea what they're gonna do. What is that gonna look like? People that are going from middle school to high school and there's anxiety about what is that gonna be? It's a new school, it's a different situation. Am I gonna have classes with my friends? What are the teachers gonna be like? Families moving, maybe from one house to another and changing schools, maybe from one town to another. Uh, ongoing relational strife, problems with neighbors, problems with family members, betrayal by a friend, or someone that you know that you care about is going through something significant. Right? I didn't list anything that any of you couldn't have listed of something that you're going through or something that you know somebody who is going through that. But God says to us in all of those situations and more, don't be anxious. It's possible because he is near to us. The way we get there is through prayer, right? He says, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, Present your requests to God. So there's four words in that verse that allude to prayer. Prayer, petition, thanksgiving, request to God. When we do that, verse 7 says, The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So prayer is the key. And here's your one point for today. Prayers prayed with thanks produce peace. That's what Paul says in God's word. Prayers prayed with thanks produce peace. Now, as I was preparing for this and praying and studying, there was a big part of me that thought, ah, I don't know, really? That seems like an awfully simplistic thing to say to a room full of people that are dealing with all of those situations that I just outlined. And I don't want to underestimate, I don't want to minimize any of the life crisis that any of us might be going through or facing at any point in time. While that's true, even more so, I don't want to underestimate, I don't want to minimize the truth of God's holy word and his faithfulness that we sang about earlier today and how great his faithfulness is to be true to himself, to be true to what he says he's going to do. And God's word, as I look at it, says, don't be anxious about anything, 
But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanks, present your requests to God. And when you do that, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Earlier this week, uh, I went to a conference with many of our children's pastors and student pastors from all across our campuses because, you know, we want to continually learn and grow and figure out how we can be better at serving you and your kids and your families. And uh, one of the people that was there um, was talking to everyone, and he was talking about how just a few years ago, he and his wife uh, had a one-year-old baby that died. And so he's walking through this just horrifically painful experience that he has gone through in his family. And he's talking about the pain of that and the grief that that brings. Um, And he's talking about, you know, where they've seen God show up in the midst of that and how they've seen God show up in the midst of that. And he said, God's goodness isn't shaken just because your world is. And I immediately wrote that down and knew that I was going to pass that on to you today. That when you're facing a situation, big or small, that's bringing any level of anxiety to you, it's important to remember that just because your world is shaken does not mean that God's goodness is shaken. It doesn't mean that the promise of God being near to you is any less true in the times of difficulty than it is in the times of celebration. And the reason that prayers prayed with thanks produce peace is because of what it says in verse 7. The peace of God transcends all understanding. Which means when you or I are in the middle of a situation and when we stand back and we look at it with our human understanding and our natural realm thinking, And we think, well, of course that situation is going to bring anxiety. Of course being out of work is going to bring anxiety. Of course losing a child is going to bring anxiety. Of course being betrayed by a friend is going to bring anxiety. Of course making a major life change is going to bring anxiety. That just makes sense. That's exactly what that verse is talking about. God's peace doesn't make sense. God's peace transcends all understanding so that when you look at somebody when you look at somebody going through something and you say there's no way that person should be experiencing any level of peace yet they are it is only by the grace of God it is only because of the nearness of the God of peace and I'm sure you like me have seen numerous people go through that I've seen people, two different people, going through the exact same situation. And one of them, you can see, they are embracing the truth of God's nearness and his presence. And in the midst of their petitions and their requests, they are expressing thanks. And they have a visible, palpable peace that is about them. And somebody else going through the exact same situation does not have that there's a significant difference. The prayers prayed with thanks produce peace. 
Pray about everything, God's word says. Everything, big and small. You lost your keys, pray about it. You're cruising, have no idea where the next gas station is, but you're on E and a little bit past E, pray about it. You've got, you know, you just gave your son a dog and that dog keeps peeing on the carpet and that brings anxiety, pray about it. You haven't given your son a dog and your son keeps peeing on the carpet, pray about it, okay? Small things, big things, right? Your family's facing a financial mess, pray about it. You've gotten a diagnosis that you hoped to never get, pray about it. You've got a friend or a family member that is far from Christ, pray about it. In every situation, present your request to God with thanks. Now, what I don't want to do is I don't want anybody to feel like, you know, that I'm ignoring um, the need for medicine. Sometimes people need medicine to deal with anxiety. I don't want anybody to think that I'm ignoring the need for counseling. Sometimes those things are necessary and we affirm those. But I also don't want to minimize the fact that when we pray, it takes the focus off of our anxiety, it takes the focus off of our worries, and it puts the focus back on God. And so we need to remember to do that. I love that phrase where it says, God will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The image that I got when I read that was ping pong. I don't know if your brain works the way my brain works when I read scripture. Now, I'm not talking about ping pong like I played growing up. I had a ping pong table in my basement, and when we wanted to play, you know, we had to clear the laundry off of the table, and we had to move the bikes that were leaning up against the side of the table. Like, I'm not talking about that kind of ping pong. I'm talking about, you know, Olympic-level ping pong. Have you ever seen this? The men and women that feel like they were born with a ping pong paddle in their hands, and they're going back and forth, and they're getting further and further away from the table. That's what I picture when I read that phrase, how God will guard our hearts and minds. I picture a world and a culture and an enemy that keeps firing things that should easily bring anxiety into our lives our way. And God is standing there as our defense, firing them right back, saying, "Uh uh-uh, nope, I've got this one. Nope, I'm guarding their hearts. I'm guarding their minds. When we pray prayers with thanks, God produces peace, and one of the ways he does that is by guarding us against things that should easily bring anxiety into our lives. And he does that through his Holy Spirit. God's word tells us that when you put your faith and trust in Christ, his Holy Spirit comes and lives inside you. It doesn't get any more near than that, right? How can God say that he's going to be near to us? Because if we will let him, through his Holy Spirit, he lives in us. And we experience God's nearness through his spirit. We experience God's nearness and we experience how he guards our hearts through his word. As we spend time reading passages just like the one that we're reading today, as we read other promises of God's word about what he will do on our behalf, And we experience God's nearness, and he guards our hearts through his people. Sometimes 
the way that we experience the nearness of God is through each other. The way you and I can show up in one another's lives as a very real, physical, tangible expression of the peace and nearness of God, of how God can guard our hearts. As you and I make ourselves available to being obedient to how God is calling us and what God wants us to do, you can be the answer to somebody's prayer of petition with thanks, a request that they are presenting to God. There's a family in our church that recently came forward and said, hey, our kids are getting older and moving out of the house and we've got this car that's still in good condition and we don't really have a use for it anymore and we would love to donate that to a single mom. And there is a single mom right now that has uh, twin one-and-a-half-year-old babies that about a week ago was gifted a car that she did not have before. And so, yeah, you can clap for that. That's awesome. So imagine if you're a single mom with twin babies living in the city, and anytime you have to go anywhere for anything, you've got to get these kids on the bus or on a train, in the snow, in the rain, in the heat. I almost went into a little Dr. Seuss there. Did anybody else notice that? <laughs> <laughs> Ah, uh, that's awesome. If you guys could stay for the next service, I would really appreciate that. <laughs> but imagine what a game changer that is for that family. Simply because another family said, we're available to display the nearness of God to somebody. Now, I don't know if every time that single mom gets in that car, if she's going to be conscious of the fact that that's what's happening. But that's what's happening. Prayers prayed with thanks produce peace in our lives and in the lives of other people. So let's look at what are some examples of ways that we can do that. How do you pray prayers? How do you pray prayer requests with thanks? Right? So let's use finances as an example. Um, maybe you've got a job, but things are tight. You know, you can certainly pray and ask God to make a way and to provide blessing. And at the same time, thank him for the way that he's already done that. Thank him for the job that you have and the money that is coming in. Or thank him for the experiences that you have and the skills that you have that could lead to getting that other job that he has provided for you. Uh, let's say there's, you know, relational troubles you feel betrayed by somebody that is close to you. You can certainly pray about that, but you can also thank God for the level of relationship that you've had with that person and the ways that you've been there for each other and the good things that have come your way for the other people that are in your life that can be a support to you. Right? So we can pray requests and make petitions to God with thanks. And as we do that, we focus not only on the situation, we focus on God, we focus not only on the needs and the anxious parts of the situation, but we focus on the God of peace who is near to us. I'll give you an example of how I was doing this recently. 
couple weeks ago, we celebrated Easter. And for us to celebrate Easter requires a lot of people that choose to give additional time and serve. If you think about Good Friday services and Easter services all weekend, there are a lot of people that are required to help get cars get parked and greet people and serve coffee and work with children and sing and lead music. It takes a lot of people around here. And so as we were praying, God send the people, God put it on people's hearts to volunteer and to help and to give additional time and to serve in additional ways. We were also expressing thanks to God for the ways we've seen him do that in the past. We're giving thanks to God for the people that had already stepped up and said, yeah, I'm willing to do that. I thought it'd be fun, just to kind of take a little break here for a few seconds, to let all of us thank all of you that actually did step up and do that. And so what I would like, and I know you're going to be embarrassed, and I know that's not why you did it, and I know you're super humble, and I get all that, but I would like you to let all of us say thank you. So if in any way, shape, or form, on Good Friday or Easter Saturday or Easter Sunday, you served around here in any way, would you stand up really quick so that the rest of us could thank you? Go ahead. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Don't be bashful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for doing that. All right, you can sit down. It's not about you. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. So we pray prayers of thanks. Now, we do that not conditionally based on what's going to happen. Okay? Not like a friend of mine uh, who's not real. He's an imaginary friend named Calvin. Calvin and Hobbes. Anybody Calvin and Hobbes fans? Yeah. We're going to look at a, at a little Calvin and Hobbes comic really quick. <laughs> I just got an awe in the front. So here's Calvin. If I was in charge, we'd never see grass between October and May. He's ready to sled. He's ready to hit the snow. On three. Ready? One, two, three. Snow. I said snow. Come on, snow. Okay, then. Don't snow. See what I care. I like this weather. Let's have it forever. Please, snow, please. Just a foot. Okay, eight inches. That's all. Come on, six inches even? How about just six? I'm waiting. Do you want me to become an atheist? <laughs> okay. All right, now think about that for a second. We laugh, and it's funny, and it's cute when it's in a comic strip. But my concern about myself sometimes, my concern for us, is that occasionally our prayers, our lives get a little too close to that. Right? That we come to God and everything's great as long as we get what we're looking for. As long as he shows up in the way that we hope. As long as he does what we expect. As long as he does what he did for our friend last year who is in a similar situation. But that's not what God is talking about here. The peace that God is describing is not another way of saying, I'll give you exactly what you're asking for. The peace that God is describing is saying, hey, no matter what happens, the real answer to your prayer is the fact that I am 
with you, that I am near to you in the middle of whatever's going on. Now, we can certainly pray and we can ask and we can go to God. And many times he'll show up and he'll give us what we're asking for. But many times he doesn't. And in those moments, do we continue to hold on to the truth of God's word and know that God's going to give us a peace that transcends understanding? Right? That guy that I heard speak at the conference, that situation did not end out the way he was praying, the way he had hoped. But he's growing every day and living in the peace of God. It doesn't mean the pain's not there. It doesn't mean the hurt isn't real. But he's experiencing a peace that goes beyond understanding. He's not standing, looking at God, saying, it's up to you if I become an atheist or not. It's all based on what you do. It makes no sense to turn your back on the God of peace, the giver of peace, if you're experiencing less peace than you would like. Right? Let's say you're, uh, you're going for a hike in the woods and you get lost and it's getting dark and it's getting cold and you're getting nervous and you're getting scared and the anxiety level is beginning to rise. That's understandable because you don't know what's going on. But let's say you have a guide that all of a sudden shows up. Now, the moment that that guide shows up, that knows the paths, that knows exactly where to go, that knows what the next step is gonna be and the step after that, you're still as lost as you were before. The big difference now is you have somebody that's knowledgeable that you can trust. And there might be places where your footing is not as sure as you would like it to be, but they are there assuring you it's going to be okay. And there might be places where you get a little closer the, to the edge than you would like, but they are there assuring you it's okay. I've done this before. I know what's ahead. Just stick with me. I'm here. I'm near to you. That's what God is for us in life. God is our guide, and we don't know what's going to come. We don't know what's going to happen, but he does. He's got it all mapped out. And what we need to do is continue to trust him and remember that he is near to us and pray prayers with thanks to see the peace of God produced in our lives. But if in the moment, because we're not experiencing peace, if we're on that hike and we get mad at our guide and say, forget it, this isn't as easy as I wanted it to be. I'm not listening to you anymore. You go your way, I'm going to go mine. We would all stand back and look at that and say, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Yet there are times in our lives when we do that to God, the guide who knows what's going on. We're not experiencing the level of peace that we would like, and so we stand back and say, fine, you know what? Just forget it. I'm going to take care of it from here on out. And when we see it in little two-minute made-up stories, we're like, oh, yeah, that wouldn't make any sense. When we see it in goofy comic strips, we laugh and we think, yeah, that's ridiculous. We don't always see it as clearly when we look in the mirror. 
And so I just encourage you to kind of stand back and evaluate, is there any of that going on right now because you're experiencing less peace than you would like? Let's look a little bit at verse 8. Paul writes, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. What you do with your mind in the midst of anxiety is a big deal. And one of the reasons that it's helpful to focus on the nearness of God, one of the reasons it's helpful to pray prayers with thanks is because it keeps us from dwelling on the situation. It keeps us from brooding on what we're scared about. And so when we're looking at what's going on in our situations, of course we need to be realistic and evaluate what's happening and determine what our path should be and what next steps should be. But it's not helpful to just sit over and over and continue to dwell and continue to brood and continue to let fear and worry and anxiety build up. That is not true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, or praiseworthy. So stand back and think, what are those types of things that I can be thinking about? What do I know that's true about God regardless of what's going on in my situation? Where are the places where I've seen God show up and provide and bless? What are the things that I have to be thankful about? What are the things that are excellent and praiseworthy? And think about those things. Verse 9, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Whatever you've learned, received, or heard, put into practice. Live lives of obedience. It's really difficult to experience the peace of God when we keep God at arm's length through disobedience. God wants to be near to us, and we will experience more of his nearness and his closeness and his presence the more we put into practice the things that we learn in Scripture. God doesn't love you any more when you obey than when you disobey. God's level of love for you does not change. But when we sin, it it causes separation in our relationship between us and God. And that is the exact opposite of what God wants for us. God wants to be near to us. Like it says in Philippians 4, 5, the Lord is near. And so when we look at scripture and we look at the commands that are in there, they're not for God to just stand back and say, okay, here's what I told you to do, now do it. Simply because he's got an ego that he wants pleased. The reason that God wants us to obey is because when we do, then we can experience more of his nearness. And it doesn't cause the separation in our relationship that sin brings. And so if you're struggling with a situation that is causing stress and anxiety, and I know you are because we all do, because I am, because we live in a sinful, fallen world, lean into the fact 
that there is no need to fear because the Lord, the God of peace, is near. And in every situation, every situation, bring your prayers and requests to God with thanksgiving. And think about what's excellent and praiseworthy and live lives of obedience. Let me pray for us. God, I thank you for the truth of your word and the way we experience and live that truth every single day. I pray, God, that we would be a people that not only experience your nearness, but that we would be a people that bring your nearness to others in our words and in our actions. I pray, God, for all of us that are facing all manner of situations, big and small. I pray, God, that we would do what your word says so that we can experience your peace in a way that transcends all understanding. In Jesus' name, amen.